Hey, it's a great time to celebrate on this Easter weekend. Hey, a couple things before we dive in tonight. One, if you are new to New Life, uh, we just want to say welcome. Maybe someone invited you to come tonight. Maybe you walk through these doors uh, all on your own. I know that can be a challenging thing. But we just want you to take a deep breath and sit back, and we hope you experience God's love tonight. But right after this service, out in our lobby, we actually have two places tonight, one in the middle and one by the glass doors. It's called Starting Point. And we'd encourage you just to stop by there and say, hey, this is my first time, or I'm new here. And uh, we would love to answer any questions you might have, just get a chance to, to say hello. And then we also have a gift for you, uh, one of our New Life mugs. And so if you want to go by and pick one of those up, we'd love just a chance to, to make that connection tonight. Second thing, if you are looking for the next step, like what do I do beyond this? The Orange Umbrella, we say this every week, the Orange Umbrella is the place to go. You can find out about Bible studies, classes, small groups, ways you can serve, ways you can get connected, all those things, go to the Orange Umbrella and uh, you can get all that taken care of. Uh, one thing that's a little bit different uh, tonight, we, we gave you a program. Uh, usually we just have a single sheet, but we have a folded one. There's some things that are coming up that you can see. Uh, if you're wondering like, you know, what happens uh, around here, you can check some of those things out. There's a QR code with a little message from me and we have a white card. So here's the thing. I'd love everyone to fill out the white card. Now you're saying, Dave, I, man, I've been here a long time. That's okay. Fill out a white card. We'd love just to check uh, to make sure we have all your information uh, correct. I know if you're new to new life, you're thinking, <laughs> I am not filling out anything because I don't know what they're going to do. Believe me, we won't put you on any kind of email list. We won't, we won't do anything like that. We would just like to send you a quick note though and thank you for being here. So you can fill these out. Drop these. There's baskets by the doors and you can drop those on your way out uh, in just a little bit. Well, right now we're going to pause and we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And this is really our chance to respond back to God, right? He keeps giving to us and we get this chance to join with him. He invites us to do that. And one of the ways we can do that, obviously is with our heart and soul and mind, but another is with our resources. And so we choose to respond in obedience to give back to him for all that he's done for us. And there's a different ways you can give around here. One, through our app or online you can give. One, we have black boxes by the door, you can drop it in. Or we have the little buckets. And so if you're sitting on an aisle, I want you to grab that bucket, hand it down, and, uh, and we're gonna go ahead and do it. While you're handing those down, let me just pray. Father, thank you so much for the good gifts that you give us. You provide for us day in, day out, again and again and again. And so we choose to respond in generosity and faith and hope and to give back to you. So take our gifts, Lord, and multiply it to build your kingdom. And now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that you would make it come alive to us, not just a history lesson, not just jumping through religious hoops, but Lord, to truly embrace and encounter you tonight. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And if you have this sheet uh, or this bulletin on the inside, you'll see a note-taking sheet. Love for you to get that out and you can follow along this morning. But we can't get too far in this service without doing a tradition around here. And so this is a, uh, what's called a response. So I'm going to say, he is risen. And you're going to say, he is risen there it is. But we're going to do it again because we got to do it. We're going to do it two, two more times. You got to do it with some energy. Okay, this is not just about trying to raise the roof or anything like that. Sometimes we have to say it enough to believe it. 
say it enough that it impacts us on the inside. And this day is the, is the seminal moment in history. It is the most important moment in our faith that without the resurrection, we're, we're stuck. But he rose again. And so today, tonight, we say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed he has. And we're going to celebrate that. Well, if you have your note sheet and you have your Bible, we're going to dive into this because we're celebrating what Christ has done, that he's alive and he's come to bring us life. And for the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Against All Odds. And we started this by looking at the Old Testament of the Bible, and specifically a book written by the prophet Isaiah over 700 years before Jesus was even born. I want you, I want you to hear that again. Over 700 years before Jesus was born, he was inspired by God to predict some things about the coming Messiah, that he would be silent before his accusers, that he would be beaten, that, that he would be crucified, that he, all, all these things that just, they laid out again and again and again. And Jesus fulfilled every single one. And you think of the odds of that, and it's just crazy. Especially when you consider that over 300 of these prophecies about the Messiah. Now, they didn't know it was going to be Jesus. They just knew this rescuer, this Messiah, was going to come. And they waited and waited and waited. Pastor John said it in that spoken word, that, that phrase, how long, Lord, how long do we have to keep waiting and kind of grinding this out? And all these things that they were looking for, and yet when they came, they, they missed so much of it. And we think if, if God can, can beat the odds on all of that, and fulfill every single one of those prophecies. What about the things in you and I that we wonder, oh, what can God do? What are the odds? Spoken hundreds of years before. So tonight, just for a moment, I want to put it in perspective. Because we're going to get to what the odds are of that happening. But what about some of the, some of the probabilities and odds that we just face in life? So I looked some things up, just to let you know. The odds of getting stuck in traffic on your way out of this Easter service is one-to-one. -one. It's going to happen. So before you get all frustrated on the way out, I'm just telling you in advance, I'm prophesying that you're going to be stuck a little bit getting out of the parking lot. It's going to happen. Do you know the odds of getting audited by the IRS? One in 160. I know, some of you are now freaking out, but that's all right. All right. I looked up the odds of the Giants winning the World Series. It's one in 200. And they were up by five today and lost. So I think the odds are continuing to go down. So the odds of getting injured by a toilet, one in 10,000. Some of you have already beat the odds on that. It's kind of amazing. The odds of an amateur golfer getting a hole in one is one in 12,000. 500. The odds of getting struck by lightning, one in 115,000. The odds of being dealt a royal flush, one in 650,000. Now, the odds go up if you don't play cards. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you, but, but that's the odds that it comes up. The odds of winning the lottery, are you ready for this? One in 292 million. 
Now that's in general, the, the more tickets are sold, you know, the odds of all that changes a little bit. But in general, one in 292 million. And yet what do we do? This is the lucky one. This is the lucky one, right? Crazy, isn't it? Some things seem likely and yet the odds become astronomical. So when I started this series, I told you about a university professor. He was the chair of mathematics. He did some work with probability theory. And he sat down and determined the odds for any one single person fulfilling just eight of these prophecies from the Old Testament. Not all 300, just eight. And the odds of one person fulfilling all of those are one in 10 with 17 zeros after it. It's called 100 quintillion. This is so far beyond the, the, the odds of even winning the lottery, it, it doesn't even compute. It's just huge. And then he went even a step further, and the odds of 48 of these 300 prophecies coming true are a number that is larger than the number of atoms that exist in the universe. This is what the number looks like. It's 10 with 157 zeros after it. It, it, is, it is beyond even our ability to conceive what that looks like. This is, this is one man fulfilling 48 out of 300 prophecies. If you get to 300, it, it, it just, it, it's off the charts. And Jesus fulfilled everyone. Now, I know we can look at that and think, okay, that, that's math and I don't quite understand it all, and I, and I get that. But here's the thing, if God can do that, if God can accomplish that, what can he do in me and in you? Things that we've written off and thought, that'll never change in me. Nothing, nothing will ever be different. My marriage and family can't change. The habits and addictions that are stuck in my life are, will never change. But here's what I want you to know. He's the God of the impossible. And he can do the impossible in us. But this being Easter, we're not going to talk about eight prophecies or, or 300 against all odd moments. We're going to look at the biggest one of all. The defining moment, Jesus' resurrection. So what are the odds that someone who had died would come back from the grave? Now, I know, you know, people have, have been resuscitated, right? We, we've all read the stories about that. Most of them involve an, an emergency room or an operating table or someone being trapped under icy water and they're revived afterwards. But here's the thing you need to know. Jesus wasn't revived. He was resurrected. So think about this. What are the odds for someone who had been crucified and pronounced dead by a professional Roman executioner, someone who'd had a spear thrust through their heart, someone whose body was pried from the nails that held it to a cross, Someone who was wrapped in a shroud with burial spices covering his body and his face, his nose, and his mouth. Someone who was laid behind uh, a multi-ton stone. What are the odds that that person could revive themselves, move the stone, walk multiple miles that afternoon, and then convince his friends, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, what are the odds that that can happen? I'll tell you, zero. Jesus' resurrection was a miracle 
against all the odds. But again, God is the one who makes the impossible possible. And so we celebrate this season. We celebrate Easter because Easter is a big deal. It was the biggest comeback of all time. And here's the big question in all of these impossible odds and miraculous crazy events. Here's the big question. What will you and what will I do with it? Do we just tuck it away and say, well, that was some nice information? Or, did, or is something else required of us? What do we do knowing that Jesus came to life, that he was the son of God, and he offers us hope, and he offers us life? Right here, right here in 2023. See, Jesus, when he came here on the earth, he didn't come to give us a lecture. He didn't come to give us a class. He didn't come to give us an educational experience. He came to save us and to bring us forgiveness and hope. And against all odds, Jesus came alive. And now he says, it's your turn. Do you want to truly live? No matter what's gone on before in your life, no matter what you bring here tonight, and we all bring certain amounts of hurt and pain and shame and regrets and failure and mistakes. And Jesus would look at you tonight and say, it's not too late. And it's not just for someone else who seemingly has it all together. It's for you. And the resurrection happened for you and for me to give us freedom and hope, to see that the power of God can, can bring us to life. So let me ask you this. What are the things that bring you hope in life? And what's going to give you hope between this Easter and the next? Because maybe Easter is an annual event for you, and in between, eh, you just kind of handle life. I get it. But what's going to give you hope between this Easter and Easter of 2024? Because hope is an everyday deal. When you put your feet on the floor in the morning, you need hope that you're gonna make it through the day. When you go to work, or if you're a student and you go to school, you need hope that you can do this well today. In your marriage and in your relationships, you need hope. You need hope that you can be the spouse that you said you'd be when you said, I do. See, all of us need hope. If you're a parent, remember when you looked at that little baby and you were in the hospital and they put it in your arms and, I mean, the first one, by the third or fourth one, you're just like, hey, you're just cruising. But you know, that first one, you're still just like, oh my goodness, here. And there's this moment that dawns on you. I remember looking at, at Gina and going, I don't, I don't think the nurses come home with us. You know, it's like, we're, we're on our own. Like, we didn't even have to pass a test. They're going to let us take a real live person out of this hospital, right? And man, when you walk out, you, you need hope that you can take the next step. And when that baby grows up into a teenager, holy cow, you need hope, right? You need to figure this out. And if you're a teenager sitting here going, hey, and then you're looking at your parents and you go, man, I need hope too, right? See, <laughs> see, we all need hope in this because it's an everyday need. But here's the deal. There's no hope without security and trust. Like what do we build our hope on? And we, and we have different answers for this, I know. We, we may go, well, Dave, my, my family, my family gives me hope. And I gotta tell you, that, that's wonderful. 
But there's a lot of people in this room, you've experienced enough of life to know that your family can let you down. Your family can actually be a source of pain and hurt and trauma to you. Marriages fail, families break up. We don't want that. But it's like there, there's, there's no ultimate security all through life there. Or maybe you'd say, well, my job. It's just my job is what gives me hope. And I don't know if you like read the news, but the economy is like in a tough place. And I'm not trying to like have you walk out of here and go, well, now I'm depressed, right? I'm not trying to do that. But we know that, that things can happen. Or maybe you'd go, well, I don't know about my job, but maybe it's in finances or, you know, the security that you've built up for yourself. But again, you know, we, we live in an uncertain world and things can change in a heartbeat. Or maybe you'd say, well, Dave, you know what? I'm strong and I'm in, I'm in good health and all those things. So you put your hope in your health. And man, I tell you, as long, as long as you eat well and you're fit and everything else, but there's still no guarantees, are there? Because suddenly you're, you're in the doctor's office and you get this news that you never expected and your world turns upside down. So the question is, where do we turn? There aren't really things that we can put our hope in that will consistently keep our hearts safe and secure. Something or someone we can trust in when everything else is shaky. But it's Easter. And Easter is all about hope. Easter is about good news. Even though things may seem dark, even though they may seem dead, and you're here right now, right in this place where God brought you so that you could hear the truth of a living hope for your life. So when we come to the Easter story, if you're there in Matthew 28, we're gonna dive into that here in just a second. But here, here's the, here's the kind of intro into, into this passage. Jesus is dead, still dead. Friday, if you came yesterday, we had a, a good Friday gathering and we remembered the cross and all that he endured. And he, he did all of that. He took our sin and our shame and it was brutal. And he took that and he is dead. And those who had given up everything to follow after him are about as low as you can get. Because this is the one they'd pinned all of their hopes and dreams on. This is the Messiah. This is the one who came to rescue. And they watched him crucified and taken down from that cross. And I think, what, what do we do now? I want you just for a moment to put yourself in their shoes. And here's Jesus. Man, you never thought there'd be someone like him. You never thought that you'd get to live to see the Messiah come. And you got to walk with him and listen to him and, and joke with him and travel with him. I mean, imagine being one of those followers and then watching, watching him just killed on a cross. I'm thinking, what do, what do we do now? Again, we walked away from jobs and careers We've been on this, this three-year journey with him. And what do we do now? He was the one who was supposed to win. He was the one that was supposed to bring in this new kingdom, God's kingdom. And like, where does that leave us? What happened? And they were sad, and they were confused, and they were scared. Well, let's circle back to 2023 for a moment. So how does that affect us? 
We can read history, but what does that do for us today? That happened a long time ago. See, you may be here and you're looking for truth and hope and life, and you've been going along and putting things in order, but the truth is there's something missing in you. And maybe you're sad or confused or anxious, or maybe you're even bored. Maybe you feel like you have no purpose. And there are those moments when it catches you by surprise, and you think, is this all there is to life? Again, I want to tell you, it is your turn to hear the truth, to experience what Jesus Christ has for you. So write these down, okay? First one, against all odds, Jesus brings me hope. Jesus brings me hope. If you're there in Matthew 28, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. We're gonna pause right there. Don't you love it that Mary and the other Mary, they wanted to, they didn't fall into a dead faint, but the Roman soldiers, boom, they're the ones falling over in a dead faint. They've never seen anything like this. But I want to take you back to the first line again because there's a phrase in there that I think we tend to just like go through. It's just like part of the dramatic reading there. But here's what it says. On Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. And don't, don't read past that like it's just data and information. These are important words. On Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. You know why that's important? Because all those followers of Jesus, they needed a new day. And they didn't even get what it meant just yet. They were going down to take care of a body, to prepare it for burial. They were not looking forward to this. I mean, who would? This isn't something you're going, yay, today I get to do this. This was a chore, a heart-rending chore they had to do. But they have no idea that Jesus is alive because the odds tell us it's not possible. But they had no idea what they were in for. And see, maybe you came here tonight and there's something around the corner that God has for you. Life and hope and forgiveness and purpose and you can't even imagine it. But against all odds, there is a new day that's dawning for you. There's a new day that's dawning for, for your addictions and your habits. There's a new day that's dawning for your marriage, a new day in your heart, a new day to be free from your past, a new day free from fear and anxiety, a new day free from accusing voices in your mind, a new day to be set free. See, I bet in this room there are some of us who would give anything to have a new day dawn. We would give anything to have another chance, another beginning. But could it be God has something more in store for you than just an annual Easter trip to church? Could it be that he has hope for you? Look what the Bible says about Jesus. I read this earlier. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope. Some of you here in this room, you've got just this little this tiny little hope, could it be, could it be that all this stuff about Jesus is true, this little hope, and it says that he's not gonna quench that, he's not gonna snuff that out. It says until he brings full justice with his final victory for you. And his name, Jesus, will be the hope of the world. 
We're gonna keep on reading here in just a sec and you're gonna see that the angel whose face is shining and he's freaking out the guards who are supposed to be making sure nothing happens here like, like they could really stop anything that God wants to do. But this angel actually speaks the name that it is the hope of the world and he says, I know you're looking for Jesus. And I wonder if that angel showed up here right now. Don't think he's going to, but imagine if he did in your life and went, I know you're looking for Jesus. I know you're looking for the hope that he has. Write this down for number two. Against all odds, Jesus sets me free from my past. Pick it up in verse five, Matthew 28. Then the angel spoke to the women and he said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. There's that line, who was crucified, but he isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. So come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there. And he says, remember what I have told you, which I love that line because it's like most of us forget when an angel shows up shining like the sun and tells us something. It's like, oh, I forgot. No, no, no. He's just saying, but I want you to remember what I told you. Don't get all caught up in, the, in what's happening around and in his appearance and in all these things. Remember what I've told you, that Jesus isn't here. He's risen from the bed. I, I talk to people all the time who've been on this spiritual journey to try to make some sense out of life. And maybe you're one. But I've talked to so many people over the years. I've gotten emails and texts from people. And here's the thing. We often think we're looking for, for purpose. And what we're really looking for is Jesus. We just don't know it yet. And what's even crazier is that when people come to know Jesus, they find the purpose that they were looking for. And people come here all the time for various ministries and things like, like looking for recovery or looking for, for help to overcome their grief or to save their marriage or keep their family together. And maybe that's you. Those are the big, the big issues in your life. I get it. But can I tell you this? Really, really what you're looking for is a savior. You're really looking for Jesus. These women in, in, this, in this account, they thought they were going to take care of this dead body, but the angel knew they were going to find so much more than just that. You see, life had taught them that with death, it's over. It's done. Like, like there's nothing else you can do. All the hopes and dreams nailed to a cross. So now they're coming just to pay a little respect. And even though they're crushed, but Jesus is the source of hope, even when it seems like all hope is gone. Have you ever had an all hope is gone moment or season? I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. Man, he's the hope of the world. You remember going back um, decades ago? I'm showing my age, but uh, have you ever, you know the Indiana Jones movies? You know those? You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and then Temple of Doom, and I don't remember the other ones. And then there was a weird one with UFOs. And do you know that there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out this year? Harrison Ford is 80 years old and he's still going to crack that whip and make things happen and it's going to be nuts. But you know, in every single one of those movies, there's, there's a moment when hope is gone, right? He's in the cave, 
Snakes are going all over. The ark has been lifted up. They roll, you know, they put that, that kind of big, heavy uh, stone over the top. It's all dark. What are we going to do? Happens in every movie, Right? And they're sitting there, and the torch is starting to go out, and the snakes are starting to get, and then what happens? And you're going, oh, this is not over yet, right? Harrison Ford, you know, Indiana Jones, something is going to happen here. Now, there was no soundtrack that played behind Jesus, I don't think. But this angel looked at them and said, don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus. Even they don't think they're looking for Jesus. They're just looking to carry out a task. But they don't know that the hope and the life is right around the corner. If this was a movie, when the angel's talking to them and they're sitting there going, we're just crushed from this, you'd hear, dun, 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 dun. right? Because there's hope. It's not over yet. You've probably heard about Jesus your entire life. And maybe for you, you think, it's just not possible that he's the one that I've actually been looking for. It seems like there's got to be some other solution. That is it really about Jesus with all the stuff that's happened over the centuries, with all the abuses and things that happen in the church and religion and all those things? Could it really be that aside from all of those things, which is all about people, that Jesus really is the one who can give us life, that he's the one who can fill you with purpose and peace, that he's the one who can free you from your past and your guilty conscience. He's the one who can set you free from shame. Because we think, isn't he the one holding lambs in a picture or praying with his hands like this and a light around his head? Man, you, what you've seen is a caricature because the real Jesus is so much more than that. Remember the angels say, go and tell the disciples. Go and tell them what's happened because they're down. It's low. They don't know what's going to happen. He says, you go and tell them. And you know, in the book of Mark, there's a little twist on this. Mark includes something else that the other ones don't. Matthew was probably just trying to condense the version. Hey, tell all the disciples because that's what the angel wanted them to do. But Mark says there was a little distinction. It says this in Mark 16. Now go and give this message to his disciples. And then he says this, including Peter. Including Peter. Now why do you think he would have this explicit instructions just for Peter. I'll tell you what I think. It's because Peter had failed big time. If you remember what happened when they were gathered together before Jesus was arrested, he says, you know, I, I, I'm going to, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be arrested and everything. And, and he goes, and you guys will scatter. And Peter's like, oh, no, <laughs> not me. I will never back down from you, Jesus. I will be at your side. You can count on me. And what did Jesus say? He said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And if you remember the story, they're in the courtyard and Jesus has been arrested. And some people are looking at Peter going, hey, 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 I know you. You're that guy that was with Jesus. And he's going, no, <laughs> no, I wasn't with Jesus. 
And then a little while later, someone comes up and goes, no, I'm sure you were the guy with Jesus. No, no. And it says he even kind of swears. He's like cursing a little bit. It's like, no, 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 that's not, that wasn't me at all. Third time, and the rooster crows. And it says that Peter walks out. Because suddenly the realization that I threw Jesus under the bus. I just abandoned him. And it says he goes outside and he just, he just weeps. He's just broken. He thought that would never be me. And yet, here it is. Do you know how often they would hear a rooster crow? Every single day. We don't hear roosters very much. Some of you do. You live out in the country, and that's a part of, part of your life. But for most people, it's just like a once-in-a-while thing. But for them, they heard a rooster every single day. So think about this. Every single morning, Peter was reminded of his failure, his shame, his past, his betrayal. Every day when that rooster crowed, it's like, yep, that's me. And maybe it's like that for some of you. There's some sin, some betrayal, some secret shame that you carry with you. And there are moments when you can feel pretty normal, but then you drive by that house or you hear that song or something flashes in your memory and you're going back one more time to cope with the guilt and the shame of sin in your life. It's like it won't go away. But the angel said, you go tell the disciples and you go tell Peter that he is risen, that he's alive. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for Peter? Probably a warring of emotions, like, I can't believe he's alive. And then, oh man, I'm going to have to face him. But he gets a second chance, a chance to start anew, a chance to be free from the mistakes. And that's not even the end of the story. Days later, Peter and Jesus have a one-on-one. -on -one, and Jesus redeems each of those denials from Peter by asking, do you love me? And Peter was forgiven and healed and restored. Listen to what God says about the sin and the stain of your past and mine. He says, no matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. Because of what Christ did on the cross, your sin, your stain, and mine too can be washed clean. Write this down for the last one and we'll close. Against all odds, Jesus brings me to life. I said this earlier, but... Jesus came alive and now it's our turn. He conquered death so that you and I can live. He paid the price so that all of us can be, turn, can be free from our past. It's, it's our turn. The next part of Matthew 28 says this, the women ran quickly from the tomb and they were frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him and they grasped his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they'll see me there. I love how they're, they're running to tell the disciples, frightened but filled with joy. Have you ever felt like that? There's fear and all these things boiling up, but there's also this joy. Oh man, here's Jesus. What's the first thing you would say after rising from the dead? I know you've never thought about that before. I, I don't even know. But, but Jesus, he says, greetings, which modern translation, hey. <laughs> it just seems so like, isn't there something else? But they ran to him because, man, this, he's here. This is what they were looking for, their savior, their king, their friend. 
And we can't even begin at that point to understand the implications of his coming to life. But in time, it's gonna sink in. Against all odds, hope and grace and forgiveness and peace and life. Remember Peter that we were just talking about? It says he ran to the tomb. He ran to find Jesus, finally free from all this junk in the past. And years later, Peter would write these words. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Can I tell you, he wrote those words for a group of followers nearly 2,000 years ago? But he also wrote those words for you and for me. That this future, this new beginning, this life, this brand new life begins now when we come to Jesus. So no matter what impossibilities are standing in your way, he's the one who makes things possible. And I wonder, I just wonder, if tonight is the night when you take that step to say, I'm gonna know and follow Jesus and find forgiveness and hope and life eternal. It's in him and now it's your choice. What will you do with that? I want everyone just to bow their heads, close your eyes. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite everyone in this room just to pray it with me. It's simple. It's short. There's nothing magic about the words. You don't have to get it just right, but it's a prayer of belief and faith. And I think there's some of you in this room tonight who have been battling through this. You've tried to put your hope in a thousand different things. But against all odds, you realize, man, it's, it's Jesus. It's not religion. It's not a code. It's not legalism. It's a relationship knowing Jesus, and that can happen for you tonight. So if you're sitting here and you're just sensing that, you're like, Dave, that, that's what I want. I want that second chance. I want a new beginning. I want to be free. Nobody looking around. If that's you, would you just raise your hand tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see you back there. Yeah. Would you pray this prayer with me? And again, just, just pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying on the cross and rising again to bring me life. Forgive me of my sin. Set me free from my past. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time tonight, this opportunity to worship you, this opportunity to celebrate that you came to life for each one of us. And Lord, I know in this room, there are people who have known you for a long time and they put their faith and their belief in them. But Lord, at times they feel like Peter, that there's stuff that just keeps coming back. And I pray tonight they could just release that and walk in the forgiveness that you offer. And for some who made that first step tonight, I pray that you'd surround them and that you'd lead them well to walk with you. God, we love you. We celebrate you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Uh, hey, a couple things. If you prayed that prayer, raised your hand tonight, you said, I want to know Jesus, I would encourage you to text the word decision to this number, 209-667-5433. Or let me give you another opportunity. Uh, if you prayed that prayer tonight, on the bottom of your white card, there's, there's two boxes. One is I accepted Christ tonight or I recommitted my life to Christ tonight. Check one of those boxes. You can drop it in the baskets or you can take it to our starting point. And they would love to give you a free Bible and uh, give you a little booklet that we wrote called Following Jesus. It's very simple. Just how you take these next steps of faith. I want to encourage you in that uh, to follow after Jesus. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a little part of this last song before we go tonight. Let's do it.